everyone. Welcome to Zon in Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. This episode is going to be our second roundtable discussion about the past and possible future of anime on Canadian TV. Before we start, let's go around the table and have everyone introduce themselves. Uh, hi, I'm Randy. I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Do you, do you have anything you want to plug, Randy? <laughs> uh, I really don't. Okay. No. Okay. Um, I'm Leandra. I'm also from Winnipeg. Uh, I'm a huge anime fan and collector of uh, 80s girls toys. Uh, I'm Phil. I'm from the GTA. Uh, I do a podcast called Just What Am I Listening To, which is over at jwailt.blogspot.ca. It's just kind of a hobby thing, but... It's a a lot of fun to listen to. Well, thank you. Hi, I'm Ian. You can find me on Twitter at IanRW. I am from Kenora, Ontario. I live in Kenora, Ontario. Where is that? That is right by Winnipeg, and I took my education at the University of All right, great. So just like last time, we're going to go around the table with three questions. First, we're going to ask everyone about their favorite memories of anime on Canadian broadcasters. Second, I'll ask what they feel is the biggest missed opportunity for anime on TV in this country. And third, I'm going to ask about any hopes or expectations they might have for the future. So uh, let's get started. Uh, Randy, you go first. Okay, uh, well, my like earliest memory of anime on TV was actually uh, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz that uh aired on MTN at the time I believe and that MTN. was this uh MTN yeah it was uh a local station that uh became A channel and then is currently City TV oh right it w- yeah it was the educational broadcaster there right i believe so yes yeah they had their own kids block with uh their own little mascots and stuff it was an interesting program interesting uh program and that's where lots of stuff aired like Sailor Moon aired there i'm pretty sure as well oh, okay yeah yeah uh, but Wonderful Wizard of Oz was, uh, one of the shows that I found out later was anime, which was very interesting because it always had this interesting look to it. And similarly, I remember watching, uh, Maya the Bee, which I also learned was anime later, which also kind of blew my mind. Uh, the first show I watched that I realized was actually anime was, uh, Sailor Moon, uh, because, uh, Anti-Gravity Room put a segment on it showing the comics and showing that it was from Japan. And I always thought that it was, uh, very interesting to see that, oh, this stuff didn't come from here. This stuff was from another place. And that's why it looked so different and felt so different. And what, that's why I had plot. And I always thought that was really interesting. My other favorite memory is probably when Bionic started. Uh, it was, I had been watching Toonami for, uh, years at that point because my grandparents had, um, a satellite dish that got channels and, uh, we briefly had, the satellite, the U.S. satellite illegal stuff that happened for a while, uh, to get the Cartoon Network stuff and seeing it on TV in a way that was accessible was really, really cool. And I think, I think probably from, from all that stuff, I really attached to Gundam Seed, even though it's definitely not the best show anymore. I don't know. I think, I think especially the second half holds up pretty well. I, I think it does too. I, I'm actually a very staunch defender of it. Yeah, I just, I yeah. just, uh, I know the re- the reputation it has. Last uh, gun show, maybe. <laughs> like, I know, I, I hold, I hold that, uh, that Flay is one of the best characters in anime, period. And I will never say from that opinion. I really like that character. She, she was definitely a, <laughs> a realistic character, even if not a lot of people could relate to her. She was. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, uh, I've gotten, uh, some very, Fun reactions when I when I tell people that uh, a lot she's of the time. Betty Draper of uh, she's my least favorite <laughs> character of the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't blame people for having that yeah. sentiment, but oh no, yeah. I remember uh, when when YTV aired the finale. It was actually the same weekend as an anime evolution once, and they they screened the last two episodes uh, at the con because you know it because due to the conflict. And I remember during the scene when Flay dies, everyone in the room cheered. Uh-huh. And <laughs> uh it was it was a little sad, but you know, c- kind of understandable. But yeah, That's I a think reaction for you. Yeah. But yeah, second second half of seat is is great. I think it's I think it's some of the best TV Gundam ever. Mm-hmm. So if that's everything, we'll move on to Phil next. Alright, so my memories of, of anime on Canadian TV were a lot more of the, the little, the shows for young children. I was a, a young child during the knots. Uh, so I remember like the, the, basically all the shows trying to sell you toys, like Beyblade and I remember Spider Riders that often brought up Anna Twitter 
show. <laughs> I remember watching lots of spider fighters, which is really weird to me because I'm arachnophobic, and it, but I watched spider riders all the time. Did that help you deal with it? No, it made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I remember all of the the kind of the kids the kids shows and some of the co-pros that were done with with YTV and. It all kind of is hazy to me on which is on what network was on what network at the time. But I remember watching this one of the Super Deformed Gundam shows and my grandparents knew I liked it. So they went out and bought me a bunch of little toys that were from the show. That's kind of my fondest memory is of Super Deformed Gundam when I was like 13 or something. I don't know. Uh, but I thought they had already pulled the toys off the shelves by the time it aired in Canada. <laughs> uh, no, that I've still got them somewhere. Uh, they're just little cheap plastic things. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, so a lot of it. Mine's a lot of the toy stuff. Uh, some late night Dragon Ball, kind of when I was allowed to stay up, you know, after nine o'clock, I'd, I'd be in the basement and Dragon Ball would come on, and I wouldn't know what was going on, but it was awesome. And and of course Sailor Moon, because how do you not? How do you? not watch Sailor Moon at some point. Yeah, it was inescapable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But by kind of by the time I was I was a teenager and interested in anime, it had pretty much disappeared from from television altogether. So I guess you would have mainly been watching S and Supers at that time. Um probably. I I couldn't tell you specifics of what I remember. It's it's all very hazy. Okay, Leandra, uh you next. Okay. Uh, so some of the shows I watched when I was a kid, uh, some of my fondest memories. I remember watching Astro Boy and Speed Racer. Uh, I watched some of the Maya the Bee as well and um, the Wizard of Oz one too, but I didn't know at the time that any of that was anime. And uh, Samurai Pizza Cats, that was one of my biggest favorite ones that I watched. Uh, Sailor Moon is a really big one for me too, like everyone else. It was one of those shows I would uh, come home after school and watch and just loved it so much. Uh, Pokemon was a big favorite of mine too in the 97 era. Dragon Ball, uh, Dragon Ball Z, Digimon, uh, Gundam Wing. Uh, that's pretty much it. But I loved all of those. Okay. Alright, so we'll move on to Ian next. Okay, so my, my introduction to anime is a bit different from, from the typical Canadian story of DBC, Sailor Moon, Pizza Cats. I didn't really respond to Sailor Moon and DBZ as much as other people my age did. Even then, I found the emphasis on the repetitive formula and the monster fights to be pretty limited to my imagination, and it they didn't click with me. I didn't stick with them. I did watch more Pizza Cats, and I liked I liked a lot of the humor, but I really I really didn't stick with it either, and. I found once Pokemon came along, it took the fourth wall elements and the zaniness of Samurai Pizza Cats, and it and it just dialed it da- down quite a bit so that it was more enjoyable. That was the first show I watched on a day-to-day basis. I could enjoy the characters. I could enjoy the stories for a while. I mean, I gave up on it a- after the GS fall or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, if I recall correctly, that story never actually went anywhere. It did not. <laughs> it was supposed to, but they decided to make a movie instead. And you know, you know, Pokemon's a comedy. I I understood I understood that, but again, it, it was too much. It was too much for my life to continue yeah. watching Pokemon. Well, the, the show it, is still probably one of the best video game adaptations ever, at least for the first couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My interest in anime actually started with a lot of the Western cartoons at the time, because to put in context, the, the mid '90s in terms of cartoons, there was a lot of anime anime influence. You had Batman the Animated Series, which was animated in Japan. You had trans- had a lot of Transformers still. Uh, Transformers being based on a Japanese toy line. You had Power Rangers, not a cartoon, but based on Japanese tokusatsu footage. So all that stuff gave me a cultural awareness of so much coming out of Japan. And once I, once I was on the internet and able to read Usenet, I, was, I understood where this came from and what the history was. So I was always curious about anime, but I never got into it until until my pre-teens. So then, the big thing for me was when we got Teletoon. 
I was disappointed as a kid that we didn't get Cartoon Network, of course. But I wasn't that disappointed because I never found the Cartoon Network shows to be all that interesting, frankly. I was more interested in uh, Warner Brothers superhero shows or, again, the mainframe CGI shows like Beast Wars and Reboot. So when Teletoon came along, I was actually more, I was actually more impressed by Teletoon's first offerings than I think I would have been with, with Cartoon Network. So then the two biggest influences on, on my expectations of anime and what anime could do would have been in 1999, 2000, that year when we got, when I got to see for the first time Cross Plus and Cyber Six. Because I know I noticed that Macross Plus took all the toyetic formulas that I was that I was indoctr- indoctrinated with as a kid, from Power Rangers, from Transformers, and it dialed it down so drastically that you were left with a science fiction story and a relationship drama and a completely captivating visual and musical package that was just spellbinding. And as for Cyber Six, you take the superhero elements that we've seen from the DC animated projects like Batman and Superman, and you put a, a female lead, an adult female lead, which is completely different than any of the other anime that I was watching. Now, of course, Cyber Six isn't an anime, but it's a hybrid Japanese-Canadian production. It's a unique beast, for sure. Yes, a very mm-hmm. yeah, unique beast. my mind. Yeah. But, but that was, the animation was just so striking. The characters were just so striking. The Western scripts were never striking or very good. But overall, I think we look on it 15 years in the past. On one sense, it's a business failure. But on the other sense, I think, I do think of it as an artistic success. And prob, and certainly maybe the, the bright shining moment in, uh, in, well, certainly Teletoon's attempt to get into anim- into the anime business, but probably most of North America's attempt to make their own anime. Mm-hmm. It's got a good cult following now, especially with the new release from Discotech. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. does not surprise me at all. Yeah. It's, like, it was just so different. That, that DVD was the first time, the first time I watched it actually in order was that DVD. Every mm-hmm. other time was just, what I could catch on late night TV, but I was, mm-hmm. you know, a young child and very confused. <laughs> yes, yeah, same. I used to just catch random episodes as a kid as well. I never really um, watched any of it in sequential order before, so it's pretty interesting to see it. I was always baffled by their by the arm hair. I always like stuck out to me. I was like, what is it? <laughs> well, yeah, you know what's funny about the arm hair is that in the comic they draw the pubic hair the same way. Ah, and oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> which I always found really interesting. Uh, but, but yeah, with, with Cyber Six, it's neat because, you know, in so many episodes, you have almost, there are a few episodes where it seems like it's utilizing visual storytelling in a way that almost seems to go against the actual scripted dialogue that, that we're hearing. You, you, you kind of get this sense of the, the, the Canadian writing butting heads with the story plotting that you see at the, at the animation level sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just because, the na- the narrative of these two first questions, I I felt that Macross Plus and Cyber Six were really the flagships for Teletoon. If we think in 1999 and 2000, well, what did they have? They had their American acquisitions. They had some Canadian con. They had their Canadian content, but late night primetime, they really they really set an example that they never followed since. But that's more of a question two thing. And I think for a lot of people, Teletoon is probably synonymous with Cyber Six, though I don't believe Teletoon is actually a partner with NOAA or TMS in that show. Yeah, no, they, I don't believe they were actually directly involved with it. And, and again, after that, um, I do have strong memories of what I consider the period where I was, where I had to consume anime on YTV. It wasn't a very long period, but I did start with Gundam Wing. So Gundam Wing just celebrated its 20th anniversary. I think even its staunchest defenders would probably say it's a hit and miss show. Mm-hmm. I knew at a time there were episodes and arcs that were much better than others. It is wall to wall with politics and and completely pseudo intellectual dialogue. No character development, no humor, 
but again, it was totally different than whatever we've seen from from cartoons in the past. It was a complete one season show with forty nine episodes, which completely serialized. You had to follow once. You had to follow every day. It was aired five days a week. And even though I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify it more than a me- mediocrity. I do think it was a must much watch show at the time. Uh, I never, I never got into Gundam Wing until until uh, Endless Wells. Honestly, that's the only part well, that I actually well, like to do. Well, that's tricky because in the original air date in 2000, Endless Waltz aired before uh, the show. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I agree with you. I did get involved into Endless Waltz <laughs> first, but I had no idea what was going on until they showed the remaining episodes. Yeah, that I, was I, pretty screwed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had dropped off of the show like within five episodes when I realized that it wasn't Robot uh, Sailor Moon. <laughs> I, 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 I saw like these five pilots. I'm like, oh, they're going to be a team. They're going to like fight the bad guy. And then it wasn't that. And I was like, well, not watching this anymore. The funny then, thing is, and then uh, the movie was way better for me. Yeah, the funny thing is, the story editor of Gundam Wing, Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, and Inuyasha, and Naruto were all, is all the same story editor. So he oh. worked on all the shows. Yeah, I guess you so, could say he had a magic touch for shows that lent themselves well to localization on TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then continuing continuing on that, um, there was that break for three years till we got Inuyasha. Now, I think what's so special about Inuyasha is not that it was this must-see anime for anime fans, because I don't think a lot of people who would generally buy anime DVDs would want to watch Inuyasha. I think Inuyasha was a perfect blend of an anime show that would work well on TV. It's not a Cowboy Bebop, it's not an Evangelion, but it's perfect for TV. It has lots of episodes, it has a perfect demographic, blend of demographic between boys and girls. Escaflone did that too, but Inuyasha, I think, went, took that to an, another level. YTV treated well, they put on two episodes a night, which was a, which was a great idea. I think it would have been, I think it would sort of been, would have been lost if it was on five days a week. I'm glad they did reruns, but I think that really did deserve a, uh, once a week run, but they expand two episodes, which was smart. A lot of a lot of Inuyasha's appeal relied on anticipation to some degree, whether it was week to week or after a three year break with no real anime on the air. Yes. So. yes. <laughs> and and I think the show holds up better than than say it did while watching it. For a current show, it would get boring watching it week week after week, which eventually it did. So this is why I'm really disappointed that Viz doesn't have any sort of streaming plan for it. They don't have these shows on Netflix because I think Inuyasha would do really well on Netflix and mm-hmm. people would remember yeah, it. And if they if they watched it again and binge watched it, I think we'd get new opinions about the quality of the show. Just like I think with Cyber Six now on DVD, we're getting new opinions about the quality of Cyber Six. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it would be a good. It would even be a great title for some. You know, if someone were to broadcast it just on weekdays as a as a stunt or something, I think that could oh, yeah. that could that would that would probably bring in some viewers anyway. And again, and after that, um, the the two Bionic shows that I kept appointment viewing on, and it didn't this didn't last because I was eventually watching shows in Japanese before they were on Bionics, and eventually there were some Bionic shows that didn't interest me. But Witch Hunter Robin and Gundam Seed were the shows I followed religiously and that I enjoyed watching live every week. Gundam Seed was a slow start, but it was fun to have another Gundam show on TV again. And that got you through the first 26 episodes, just the fun of having something like that. Mm-hmm. While well, it got really good in the last half. Witch Hunter Robin, um, I, I think that Kevin did an excellent job summarizing it last, last week when he said that this was completely unlike anything that had been on YTV. Though it's not unlike Cyber Six. It's, it's the same sort of so much more mature tone of Cyber Six, but it was so nice to have that on YTV to have a slow burn, but get very, get very serialized at the end. Uh, it was nice. It was nice that first year of Bionics having three different types of anime, having the more toy driven, but somewhat adult, 
somewhat sophisticated Gundam Seed with the more mainstream demographic expanding Inuyasha and then finally having Witch Hunter Robin, which on one level appeals to teenagers, but on the other level is a more subtle, slower show than a lot of younger appealing anime. It's been funny how with so far on both of these episodes, when it comes to bionic shows, the the, the two that keep coming up are Gundam Seed and, and Witch Hunter Robin. Uh, I'm curious if anybody thinks, you know, th- those shows were quite notorious for being big failures in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you think that their success here? Is, can be attributed mainly to that three-year break that happened beforehand? Or do you think there's actually something about them that, or something about the way they were marketed or presented here that made them resonate with Canadian viewers better? I think, I think Seed was more on the value of it wasn't, uh, edited anywhere near as much. And it was actually given room to be its own thing. I think that's why Seed was probably like, wasn't Seed one of the biggest hits or like one of the second biggest hits? They was... aired it like four times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and they stripped it on weeknights too. Mm-hmm. And they, and they, it did well enough for them to bring over Destiny for some yeah. reason. Oh, God, Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, oh, it's, Destiny. you know, you know, for my fondest memories, I was almost tempted to say Destiny just because it, you know, it, it symbolized the fact that the Canadian audience responded to something differently than in the States. And, mm. and it, it just signified that big difference. But I knew if I said that, then people <laughs> would just be tuning out of this show yeah. so fast. <laughs> well, like, like the act of getting Destiny was interesting, but Destiny is bad. Yeah. It's a literal train wreck uh, because it starts out pretty strong. And then it does. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Like the first 10 or so episodes are super good. And then it just plummets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think if Gundam Seed, it was bad enough that 0079 failed in the U.S., but I think bringing Gundam Seed into the U.S., which is somewhat of a remake of 0079, the audience that would have tuned out for 0079 and would have tried again with Gundam Seed, they would have been put off by the fact it was such a remake of a show they didn't, <laughs> a show they didn't like to watch. Yep. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point for sure. The whole the whole the whole Gundam situation was just so different in the two countries that uh audiences were just used to used to different things at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, then we'll, we'll move on to the second question then. What do you feel is the biggest missed opportunity for anime on TV in this country? And again, we'll start with Randy. Uh I'm going to go way later mm-hmm. and say that one of the, one of the biggest missed opportunities was the way YTV pushed Pretty Cure. When they brought it over, oh yeah, and that they didn't at all. <laughs> uh, it was like a it was like a, a Saturday at like 10 a.m. show with like various really early morning uh, screening or showtimes. Besides that, uh, and I really I really think Pretty Cure could have, could have done way better because uh, I'm actually really fond of that dub. That dub was uh, it's a very charming, if not good, dub. One of the better jobs from Calgary, for sure. Yeah, it was absolutely it was absolutely Calgary's best dub. Yeah, they, I, I had no they, idea. That yeah. Until one time I was flipping through channels and I'm like, oh, they licensed Pretty Cure here, and I didn't even notice that YTV aired it. Mm-hmm. And like we could have got so much more, but there was absolutely nothing done with it, which is pretty upsetting. Yeah, there was there was an ad for it. I know, and I've been trying to find it for uh for convention panels that I do on anime on Canadian TV, but I haven't been able to track it down. Uh, to to YTV's credit, though, they did air it during yeah. the Sailor Moon slot for a little yes. while, weekdays at three thirty. But I think I think it was during the summer, and mm-hmm. you know that kind of time slot doesn't doesn't really mean the same thing at this point that it did back in 1995. Yeah. So especially when you're an adult. Yeah. Especially when you're an adult. No way to watch it. I think I remember catching some episodes of Pretty Cure in that time slot and I don't remember anything else about it, but yeah. I ended up like downloading them and watch and watching them while I was doing homework uh one weekend and I just plowed through the entire series. It was quite uh it was quite good. I, I like Pretty Cure a lot. You like the new General. shows too? I like the new shows a lot too. Yes. Oh, awesome! Yeah, there was uh, a, lot, a lot of potential with that franchise. Too bad it didn't really mm-hmm. go anywhere. Yeah, like, and they were supposed to bring over one of the series as Glitter Force, but that never came to fruition, which is too bad because the series they were going to bring over, Smile, is probably one of the best series to watch in episode chunks. There's a lot of really good, strong episode and character writing in those ones, and not bringing it over is a tragedy. Yeah, I think it would do really well, mm-hmm. especially for younger girls. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. I was, I'm a huge fan of, uh, Ojama Jodore Mi, and I think, I can't remember what the mm-hmm. English name was when, uh, Fox Kids brought it over, 
but it was really short-lived too. And I think I think it could have been pretty popular if they did proper uh, marketing or pushed it a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't you don't see very many of those kind of magical girl shows targeted directly and specifically at young girls anymore in Japan. But when when they do bring one out, usually it's huge mm-hmm. and they re- they really yeah. milk it hard. So it's it, it, I guess it is kind of too bad that we too bad that we don't see too many of those come out over here. But yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, as, as a girl, like um, if I were a little girl, I think I would have really loved those if they would have had something like that when I was a kid. But uh, yeah, I, I honestly think that they're missing a big opportunity. Yeah. Um, actually, I work. I uh, I work in the school system, and a few years back at the lunch program, there was a, a TV, and for about a good solid two or three weeks, it was it was too cold to go outside the whole time. Uh, so I would start showing. I I show like English language anime. Like um, I showed them canon, and they really like canon. And that and awesome. on 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 a whim, I I put on one of the Japanese episodes of, of uh, Doki Doki Precure, and they, like, clung to that, like, like no one's business. <laughs> and, it, and, like, it was, like, it was in Japanese, like, they didn't even care, just, just the, the, like, the action, like, just the colors of the series. Yeah, the just, colors, like, yeah. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> stuck them to it, which what is really that? interesting. Yeah, I, 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 that was the biggest surprise, and, like, Sailor Moon had no reaction from them whatsoever, and that was... Huh. A little shocked about that. Like Sailor Moon, no reaction. Pretty gear, huge. Canon, huge. Wow. Kind of the weirdest one, because like you wouldn't think Canon would have that impact, but like all of the like macho sixth graders were like glued to the TV for that too. Because oh, that's awesome. It was quite, a, quite amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another missed opportunity I think was not getting uh, standalone complex uh, second. Second gig. Second gig, yeah. yes, exactly, yeah. Cause like, that, that second gig is way better than, than the first one, I think. There's a lot more yeah. action, there's, there's a lot more, like, less, less philosophy and more action, which I think would be, which w- w- would have worked better. And they did an episode based on Taxi Driver, how awesome is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's too bad. I know people, a lot of people were hoping that space was gonna rescue it, like, kinda like they did with Farscape, but they weren't interested. Mm hmm. Yeah too bad because that, that would have like worked really well i think that that's that's in total legal limbo now isn't it i don't think i i think it's inevitable that manga is gonna just kind of get the rights in their entirety now but well yeah uh, i believe manga still has the rights to it isn't manga the master license holder for ghost in the shell they were on the production committee i believe i know bandai entertainment was on the production committee as i i thought they're like they had bandai distribute the TV show and everything that's not the first movie, but they were still kind of the master license holder yeah. for international rights or at least English speaking rights. Well, they'll, they'll have that first movie forever. Yes. For sure. Or as long as they exist anyway. As, well, like that's the only thing they have. <laughs> I haven't seen Mongo put out a new release in, in years. Well, uh, they put out that, um, the, the Blu-ray of it just last yeah. year. I actually got the UK one because it came in a steelbook, and it's the same disc oh, nice. as the North American one. It has both regions on it. Ah, if you put it in in region A, it's a Anchor Bay logo. If you put it in in region B, it's a Manga Entertainment logo. Hmm. That's the only difference. That series had a weird release here. Like, you, the limited editions had something different with the music, right? Like double, do, like double digital track. Besides that, there was a mastering error on the DVD. That was mm-hmm. that was at a time when both manga. Manga's always had a replicating and authoring problems in their entire sorted run, but Bandai was starting to have a lot of problems between 2005 to... Uh, did it ever? Did they ever get be- better with DVDs? I, because I think no. <laughs> after 2005, I think they were always having problems till the end of their life after that. I sent a number mm-hmm. of discs back to them for replacement. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to like take a a box set to like multiple H and V's trying to get replacements until like every disc was the right disc and that was uh, the, the easiest thing to do was just to mail it to mail it to them directly and have them send yeah. send you the replacement uh, straight to bandai. Yeah, but I was, but I was lazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <put> it, <laughs> lazy enough to go around the city to different H and V's. Put this in perspective. Uh, two thousand one, two thousand two. The only major issues with Bandai Entertainment DVDs was that I, I think a couple of volumes of Escaflowne wouldn't play on the PS two. 
that was basically it. Then after 2005, the floodgates. Yeah. Yep. Well, their Gundam Seed discs are great, so that's all I really care about. That was a set that I didn't have, the complete collection. Yes, except for the complete collection. Oh, right. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I have the original discs, so. Yes. They're, they're all good. Yeah, yeah I, I'd like, eventually, like, because every time I got replacement discs, they kept not working, so I ended up going to Anime North and just, like, buying the singles that I, that were bad for, like, five bucks each. Oh, uh, yeah. Doing it that way. <laughs> that's, that's another way to do it, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's it for me, for Miss Opportunities. All right, great. So, in that, in that case, we'll go on to Phil next. Yeah, I think most of what I would say were missed opportunities have been thoroughly covered uh, in the previous show and and this one. I think the only opportunity that they maybe could have been interesting was when when the tsunami revival happened. If they tried to do at least do a test to see if something like that would work on Canadian television, like I was in I was in first year university when when that when that tsunami revival started and tsunami went back on the air. I'm like, oh great. Me and my roommates are up Saturday night late. Saturday night late, we'll watch anime on TV, and there was nowhere to do it. So I think kind of an attempt to capitalize on on that's popularity in the states might have been something interesting. But other than that, I don't. I think everything else is that I would say have been said. You know, I never really appreciated the tsunami fandom and and following until after that relaunch happened. Because I mean, you go to places like Toon Zone and. You'd always see like really bizarre discussions, like people trying to theorize how how could they edit this show to make it work on this children's block. <laughs> and it's like it, they, like they valued the branding more than they valued the integrity of the content, which I always found weird. But you know, just seeing people rally around that block, like it was really surprising to me. Uh, back around 2010, I had practically I, I was just about ready to dismiss the idea of anime really being able to work on Canadian TV anymore. But then I I saw the tsunami launch and just saw people you know, rally around that so, so enthusiastically, you know, it really shows there's a lot of, a lot of value in that still. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, yeah. Toonami post revival is much, much better across the board than Toonami pre revival. Generally, I think Toonami was really good pre-bionics. Toonami was really good after the revival. I don't think Toonami was that great during the bionics years. Oh no, certainly not. No, no, no. Yeah, that was that was the weakest point for uh, anime on TV in the U.S. in general. Yes, and frankly, I think the shows we didn't get in Canada from from 2000 to 2003 are gap. There's really not much that Toonami show that would have been of use to us. I mm-hmm. Tenshi Moyo haven't <laughs> tried watching that lately. It's kind of I could barely watch it you. then, to be perfectly honest. Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> never a fan of that show. Outlaw Star, you know, I think it kind of needed to be edited for Toonami standards because I don't think it plays well on an adult block. That's just my opinion. I mean, there were those two, there were two episodes actually cut from Japanese broadcast of that, not just one, not just the Hot Springs episode. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so clearly there was, there was some odd tonal issues in the show itself when it aired in Japan. You have to wonder, maybe Toonami did the right thing by editing it down to their standards, because it now it's mostly a Toonami nostalgia piece. Of it. Yeah, it certainly made an impact. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think it would make an impact if it was an Adult Swim piece that aired mm, no. after yeah. it was made. Okay. Especially with Bebop being Bebop. Yeah. Like, yes. Okay, so we'll move on to Leandra next. What do you think is a big missed opportunity? I, I agree with what Brandy said about Girl shows not being, well, Pretty Cure in general, but uh, quite a few other animes of girl shows that could be marketed towards um, them on TV because we see the popularity with like My Little Pony and all kinds of things like Monster High and stuff. So there, there is an area where girls could be interested in anime too again, like in the Sailor Moon um, era. So there's just a lot of open, open space for that. Like all you see is Beyblade and Yu-Gi-Oh and all this stuff to for boys, but there's really not that much for, for girls. So I think that's a really big missed opportunity. Um, and uh, I would say another missed opportunity is uh, a lot of the new shows that have come out that Toonami gets. I know it has to do with licensing rights and stuff, but I don't know why YTV um, has, has stopped showing anime for an older demographic. I'm not sure what their um, whole change of plan was, but I think that's a pretty big missed part of it. 
I think the reason that people keep citing was because they, they switched to a business model where what we call co-viewing, where they want to only air programs that they can sell advertising for both children and parents who watch television with them at the same time. And really a 12 to 17 <laughs> anime block doesn't Yeah, really, I just think yeah. that... Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the shows they have, it just seems like they're just too childish. Because, I don't know, growing up, I would watch stuff like The Last Unicorn and things like that that you wouldn't really have a kid watching now. But to me back then, that was pretty awesome. And so I, I think that they're treating kids like they're they're too stupid in a way i think well most of the most of the outright kid shows that are made in japan are made more for an international audience than anything now yeah mm-hmm. it's not like in the early nine uh, late 80s or early 90s when you know ranma one half was considered a children's show <laughs> so. yeah right yeah so i just i just yeah think that there's there's just more room for that and it would probably grip a lot of more audience and kind of bring them into it all but I'm not sure if it's because that kids go on the internet more and don't really watch TV as much and they don't see that as, as a working model anymore. But hopefully with the tsunami, um, and with, with the revival of that, maybe YTV will catch on or some other station like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of another Canadian station that would air anime, but it's like, tough. Than, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Other than Space Channel, I remember seeing some movies, um, like earlier to, in the 2000s, they used to play some subtitled anime, but I have no idea what it was. Yeah, there were, there were, a lot of people remember those titles. I, I think that airing them subtitled was, in retrospect, a big mistake because it probably put off more viewers than, oh. <laughs> <laughs> than it brought in. That's, that's the sad truth. Uh, yeah, like for me myself, I'm more of a subtitle fan because after I got into Sailor Moon, then, that was sort of a gateway into uh, fan subbing, and that's where I got a lot of the illegal bootleg uh, uh, fan subs from uh, a mall, the Portage Place mall that we have in Winnipeg. Ah, yes. And yes. so then from yes, there, yes. then I just, and then I couldn't look back at dubs. So then uh, I would just catch some on TV and be like, oh, well, I've already seen that. But it was sort of like, uh, yeah, I wish more things were subtitled when I was uh, when I was younger. But I guess that yeah, it would turn off a lot of people. I think the majority of people on this podcast can experience some shame buying stuff at that Porridge Place location. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the only place to buy anime, period, for a long time. And yeah, it, well, it was bootleg quality for regular DVD prices, which is awful. <laughs> yeah, like back when I, they were located on the Skywalk, and I think I was 12 or 11, and then I was like, oh, my God, there's Sailor Moon. And so I just would buy one like once a week. So it was like 12 bucks for a, for a VHS with four episodes. <laughs> yeah, it, it was the CDs for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't, even though it was a bootleg, there's there's something irresistible about buying a Yoko Kong CD. Yeah. At my yeah. first con, I bought the second and third Cowboy Bebop OSTs, and I was so pissed off when I realized that they were bootlegs. Uh, but I mean, how could I have known? They look so real. Yeah, mm. they do. Yeah, it wasn't until my friend later told me that uh, they were bootlegs and what logo to look for, and I was like, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then I was pretty mad after that. They're, they're getting more convincing sure. now. I, I mean, apparently there's some Evangelion platinum collection bootlegs that look just oh, wow. like the ADV release that are that are floating wow. around right now. Uh, oh, so <laughs> everyone be careful. Yeah. Especially on eBay. Mm. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Good thing I have my my holiday special edition Ava <laughs> discs already. And uh, uh on the bootleg thing, um I've never actually been to Pacific Mall myself, uh but a friend of mine bought uh, a bootleg darker than black set that didn't have subtitles on it. Oh wow. So like they come back and they're like, "This doesn't work." Like it's in Chinese. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Those are the worst. The Chinese bootleg subs with the uh, like I think they translated from Japanese to Chinese and then from Chinese to English, and mm-hmm. you get this completely different translation that made no sense. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. One year, awful ones. One year I was at a tiny con in Toronto, and a guy was desperate to sell me a Chinese copy of Trigun, and I was like, "But I." It, there's no English on it. He's like, yeah, but it's really cheap. Like, it's not English. I, re- I believe, Randy, there was a ChibiCon about 10 years ago where the winner of something wanted Advent Children bootleg. Yes, yes, there was. Yeah. I worked that ChibiCon. Yeah, that's <laughs> not 
did, yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely I did. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that was before, like, at ChibiCon, like, that's smaller than Icon, right? Oh, way, 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 way yeah. smaller. Yeah, I, I, I like, kind of stopped going to Icon after it moved to the hotel place, but, uh, I just remember, like, pre, pre days and, like, the, the bootlegs and I'd be like, no, it's fake. <laughs> but I guess there were stricter laws and stuff that they, or not laws, uh, rules in place about vendors bringing in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now, like, the official icon bootleg finder, so. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so I'm, I, it's, it's kind of really fun when, when you get to, I like, was, nope. I was that one person online that, on the forums and there was some guy selling, like, people's artworks on bags and buttons and I just noticed Oof. it one time and I started the topic on the forums about him like using people's fan art and like printing it on all this stuff and picking out their signatures and stuff. Mm-hmm. But Randy, do you know who the guests are for Ad- Icon this year? Uh no, I do not. Not I have yet. No, idea. no. That's not pretty to me yet. So I once read this rumor that there was a bootleg version of Cowboy Bebop floating around that had a bootleg dub on it. And apparently Spike sounded like Swedish Chef or something. Have you guys ever heard about that? <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard of that before, but I want a copy of that yeah, now. Yeah, I think it's complete bullshit, but yeah. I, I would... I, I've been curious about that for years. It sounds like one of the legends. That's where Cowboy Bebop and this computer came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is... Yeah. So anyway, Ian, uh, I think uh, we'll move on to your missed opportunities now. Okay, so this missed opportunity is pretty straightforward. I was talking about Teletoon before. Uh, Teletoon, overall, is the biggest missed opportunity in anime, animation. We know why We know why they didn't pick up anime during the Bionics years after uh, their, their manga titles. It's because they want to do co-productions. Mm-hmm. That, was, that, was what, that was their mission. It's what uh, brought us Spider Riders. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll Spider Riders. <laughs> uh, that's fine, but if you want to do co-productions, you should be smart about it and try to develop relationships with studios and and Western companies. So go after go after the studios like Sunrise. Go after Madhouse. Air those shows first. Whatever you can, whatever you can get, just to see what the audience is into. If you're getting into, if you're getting into making anime for yourself, find out what works and find out what doesn't work. I think Teletoon still was in this mindset that anime is best for the toy commercial audience of six to eleven year olds. That's why after all these years of no anime, we finally do get Spider Riders. And it's really disappointing because during this time also there was. I noticed a tendency for the more auteur directors like Hideaki Anno, Ikuhara, and Shinjiro Watanabe to kind of not get a lot of work. And it's really a shame that Teletoon didn't realize, oh, hey, this revolutionary, this revolutionary girl tennis show seems to be really popular. It seems to be a lot like Cyber Six. Why don't, why don't we air it and why don't we see if Ikuhara wants to collaborate with us on a future project. But again, we kept getting these toy commercial mindsets. I always like to pretend that YTV aired Utena due to the success of Sailor Moon, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that never really happened. And and you can always list the various anime that you think would have done really well on, on Teletoon. I was just imagining earlier, well, wouldn't it be cool if after Cyber 6 they aired they aired Giant Robo because the the look the look is kind of the same high quality animation the same emphasis on visual storytelling wouldn't wouldn't that be a cool way I I know that there was some issues with the license at the time I don't know if manga had the license by 1999 but it seems like a missed opportunity there it seems like a missed opportunity to have maybe Evangelion on on Teletoon. Well, one thing they did have, they had a ninja scroll on there, right? Didn't they? Yes, yep. because that was during their manga, their manga title phase, and probably before they decided they, they were going to go into the co-productions. But yeah. they aired those really, same manga titles for several years. I mean, even before you saw them in '99, they were airing at midnight 
uh, since I think 97. Yeah. And I always thought it was too bad that they didn't go back to manga for more stuff because like they could have gotten perfect blue that would have that would have lined yeah. up on the timeline because yeah. it just came out in that yeah. time but that never mm-hmm. happened yeah or castle Tagrios. yeah yeah manga really tried their best to enter the scene with the best titles possible like they were in a partnership with uh kenny adomi's um la hero i think it was or u.s renditions and they really got the best titles in the early 90s like cross plus gunbuster Giant Robo, and there's a really good podcast, ANN podcast about, I think, Kevin Seymour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know Kevin, this Kevin Seymour podcast, and I know, maybe it's that one, because it was talking a lot about Kenny Adomi, too, just about how they built up the anime industry in those, in those years. So, so yeah, they should have, they, they should have built relationships with Japanese companies. Well, We'll show some of these if you're interested in making some VAR projects. They should have had more. They should have had more interest in auteurs. They should have had more interest in the female demographics. And you get to a point where they're showing. I have no problem with it, but they're showing Rocket Robin Hood in their prime, 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 prime. <laughs> like that was that was very prime, prime time. <laughs> yes, the most the best time. The most amusing part was that it was back-to-back with Cyber 6. You could not get more of an extreme animation quality contrast than that. Yeah. <laughs> I I kind of get why they did that. I kind of get why they thought, okay, Rocket Robin Hood is this really old show, but we know that there's people who are going to be watching it no matter what. Maybe they're on substances, but it will, it will, <laughs> it will hold a certain percentage of people who aren't interested in the in the tradition in the traditional American cartoons, but they never got anything after, they never got anything comparable that could have really made use of that prime, prime, time time slot. Mm-hmm. I think a big problem with Teletoon, and I agree with, with all that stuff, but I mean, I, to this day, it seems at least the people who run the adult block, they, they just, I don't think they get anime. They, they just don't get it. No. Um, no. They, <laughs> right. so, um, yeah. I mean, right. t- I mean, with Toonami, I mean, they have people like Jason DeMarco and Sean Akins who did form kind of relationships with studios and things and, and, you know, people like Kenny Adomi and were able to get things off the ground. It was like IGPX, uh, but, and Big O season two, but I mean, they, they were able to make things happen. I think it was really because they understood the content and that really seems to be the big thing that Teletoon lacks, at least from, from what I can tell. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. trial and error, like Big O two, uh, IGPX, them showing Gundam 0079. These are all, these are all, um, tri- trial and error where sometimes they fail, but sometimes they really hit it big. But it seems like Teletoon, all we got for the past five years of waiting was Spider Riders, which was, misunderstood the Canadian. All comes back to Spider Riders. <laughs> yeah. It's too bad because like they had the, the adult swim cartoon market for the, the comedy side, but they never, never reached out to the action side. And they really could I, have they didn't done treat better. Really well either, so. I, I would argue that they never really understood the comedy side either. Yeah, they should have aired Venture Brothers when Rocket Robin Hood was airing. Yeah, no right. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> We've only just now gotten season four of that show, oh, wow. I think, on, on Adult Swim Canada. Like, yeah, I stopped watching Teletoon back in like... It doesn't seem to like it as a brand, um, Venture mm-hmm. Brothers. They, Robot they, Chicken. Yeah, that's the only Adult Swim show that seems to stick on there. Yeah, I mean, I, I would compl- I like to complain about the fact that they still aren't airing Rick and Morty, despite the fact that it gets you know three times the ratings that Archer does in the U.S. But it doesn't seem that Rick and Morty's airing anywhere outside of the U.S. at all. So huh. yeah, perhaps my blame is sort of misplaced on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't Teletoon owned by Cartoon Network? I thought they they owned it. No, they oh. the the Cartoon Network Canada is being run by Teletoon. But Teletoon is currently owned by Chorus, the same people who own YTV. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cartoon Network Canada is pretty good. I mean, we get Steven Universe day and date with the U.S., uh, I think, in all the big shows. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it works about as well as you would expect a Cartoon Network Canada too, despite the fact that I can't actually get it because it's not on Shaw. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't get it either. 
I wonder which station's going to win the battle when they go a la carte. Teletoon or Cartoon Network Canada. I wouldn't be surprised if they both managed to stick around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nick, Nick Canada, on the other hand, I think <laughs> his days are numbered. <laughs> okay, so is that everything, Ian? Yeah. All right, so we'll move on to the third question then. Do you have any expectations for anime uh, in the future on Canadian TV or even just TV in general? And we'll start again with Randy. Uh, my joke answer is that I want the Anime Network to come. That Anime Network that was supposed to come. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, YTV's, YTV's Anime, anime Channel? channel. Uh, Never ended up coming. Yeah. Uh, no, my my real answer is that I'd like, maybe just in TV in general, and try to get some more of the, the girl anime market. Because it, it's a market that's been sorely overlooked, especially yeah. considering Sailor Moon's like popularity here and the like the showing that girls cartoons can do well here. Yeah, the, the, the fact that like they they haven't tried to do anything with that like since Pretty Care is uh, astounding to me. Like they really should try something. I mean like most of the girl shows in Japan right now are like idol shows like Aikatsu and like Prepara and like I don't think those will work too well just cuz there's lots of singing. But like, there has to be some kind of way to get a uh, show up here for girls. Yeah, uh, be, I agree. Mm-hmm. Like, or even some kind of co-production they could try for. But seeing, like, just just for me, like, seeing, yeah, with the popularity with, uh, like, Equestria Girls and My Little Pony and all that, mm-hmm. and all that, like, there's something that they can fit in between there or even, like, yeah, co- co-produce. Like, I think they yeah. did that with, with uh, Monster High. They, they even did an anime special. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just think they could do more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something a little different from, like, the, the Beyblade clones would be nice. Yeah. It's just a co-production, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, like, it's good enough for the for the boys, but the girls have nothing. And, like, just thinking about how popular, like, the girl market has been in Canada in general for anime. And, like, to see, like, that's not being serviced anymore is, uh, it's kind of a tragedy, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm willing to bet that if a station were to pick up the rights to the new Sailor Moon dub, just, you know, any digital station, they would probably reel in a lot of subscribers who otherwise wouldn't watch the station at all. Uh, and yeah. it could probably help them weather through the, the a la carte future, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. Especially um, when you look at the sales with, with the Sailor Moon manga that came out, um, it was usually at the top for, like, mm-hmm. the weird best time sellers list. So... Like, even looking at that, there's a demographic for that somewhere. So, like, I'm sure you would have people come in and watch it. And apparently those DVDs and Blu-rays are selling, too, even though the video quality is complete garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I just want the show. Like, I don't, like, I'm just, everyone's just too, so desperate for it. They don't care about the video quality. Yeah. Like, like I know yeah. the video quality. It's not, it's not that I'm still buying it. Yeah. Like, I have to. Like, there's no there's no option for me. I wish they realized uh, um, that they should never release on Blu-ray and just present the Masters DVD quality on DVDs, but I understand that that for anime purchasers, Blu-ray is important regardless of quality. So if they only if they only sold DVDs, they would it would not have had the profile of a simultaneous DVD and Blu-ray release. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna hold up for another skew on that one because I'm pretty sure this isn't the last skew we're gonna see for Sailor Moon releases. Oh, I'm sure it's not. And, and, and if it's fixed, I'll probably buy another copy of it. Like, yeah. Like, that's well, you're 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 one of the good ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not buying that Sailor Moon release. <laughs> Every time I go into an HMV, I walk by it, and there's like a wall of them that they haven't sold, and I'm like, not today. I I, I just bought uh, part two, season one. Yesterday, yeah. with my, my, my local HMVs can't keep it in stock. It keeps mm. flying off the shelves every time I go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess there's people that just don't know about the quality, or they just don't notice. Maybe Sailor Moon's a big title. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah, it's in Walmart. I'll be honest. Like, uh, sometimes it's really hard to care about video quality. You do just want to own the show. Like, yeah, I'm pretty anal about video quality myself. But if it comes down to owning the show, and I really want the show, I'll buy the show. It, it's 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 simple as that. If there's no other legal option available, then yeah. you can buy the show. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll move on to Phil next. Uh, Phil, any hopes or expectations from you? Well, hopes 
uh, is my only real hope is kind of that maybe maybe a Canadian broadcaster or narrowcaster or whatever of some variety will pick up the the kind of the cracks in the streaming, like whenever Viz streams something or if something's just streaming on Hulu, the stuff that uh, yeah. we don't get, maybe they'd pick up the slack because, you know, if you're a specialty channel, you don't need a huge audience for a show to be a success. So, yeah, that's kind of... Kind of pick up the pick up the slack that we've been left with region locking, and you know, well, obviously I'd like more anime on TV. I'd like a reason to have cable again. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Streaming streaming is the like the worst part for Canada right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah my friend she watches most of her anime on Netflix now, so she usually asks me what's good to watch, and then she goes on Netflix and watches it because uh, she couldn't be bothered to watch online anymore most of the time either and on tv she just says there's nothing in canada to watch on tv so mm-hmm. yeah well the, well there that shows that there's a lot of demand for curated content too i think that's going to be one of, the, one of the big things about streaming in the next few years is that like improving curation systems with that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah i think so because there's just too much choice sometimes yeah there like, really is like you just yeah. get a wall of content and it's like well, what do yeah. i watch <laughs> Any of us had watched Inuyasha had had been streaming on Crunchyroll, and we had twenty different options that season. No, no, <laughs> I didn't watch. I didn't watch Inuyasha when it was on TV. Did, did anybody here watch Rene? Nope. No. Nope. 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 <laughs> oh, zero interest. Actually, I think Witch Hunter Robin suffers from that. Choose choose your own program too. I think I think you got twenty other options. Witch Hunter Robin would do pretty poorly in that regard. Well, that show would really stand out today, but mm. you know we're talking 2004 though. So. Yeah. But I don't, yeah. I don't think um, subscribers would uh, stay with the whole show. I think, it, I think it was much more interesting being an appointment viewer on YTV than it would be on Crunchyroll. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I, I will say that something like Inuyasha, the the final act, that's something that I really can't be bothered to seek out streaming or otherwise, but. You know, if somebody aired that on TV, I'd be tuning in every week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really. I don't just care about it anymore. It's kind of almost over and done with, but if someone just, if it's there, then you'll get it, but you don't want to go out of your way to get it, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Leandra, uh, any hopes or expectations for anime on Canadian TV? Um, well, I, I really would kind of expect that, again, with, with Toonami's success, that maybe Teletoon would somehow change their ways, maybe have something late night again how they used to have because i think that that would do really well too or or even like as what randy said i I would like them to market more towards girls as as mentioned before okay is that everything yeah i can't really think of anything (laughs) else to say sorry all right that's fine uh all right so ian we'll finish off with your thoughts on uh possibilities or hopes for the future of anime on canadian tv so I think in the previous podcast we were looking at the slate of shows that would do that would do best on Canadian TV, like your Attack on Titans, your Space Dandies, your Killer Kills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In a sense, thinking of that thinking of that from that perspective perspective is kind of pointless because once you have that big crossover hit, you're not guaranteeing a place for anime long term. Now there's still room for. A- Attack on Titan premiere on Canada, primarily because there's the next season's coming out in 2016. So you have that window there, but it's tricky when when your hopes rely on just one show that's popular enough already. Again, the funny thing about Inuyasha was that it never had this buzz among anime fans. It was this new thing when it premiered on YTV. So I'm thinking, what new shows could we have? What shows could premiere on on Canadian TV and be a surprise or or develop an audience the way it hasn't been developed before? So I'm thinking of shows like maybe Shishi or Gintama. Yeah, Some, something that we don't a lot of people just don't watch regularly. Mushishi, I think that if you aired it in the right place, it could find an audience. I think yes. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's that a big risk, but I think it, I think it could find an audience if you, if you put it in the right place. And mm-hmm. if you get both seasons, because now Funny has a season, and Anaplex has a season. Yeah. Both mm-hmm. seasons, you 
Still no word if they're dubbing that second season, though. Right. That's yeah. Right. I hope they are. Yeah, I really hope so, too. Also, with something like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, a lot of people jumped on that season in season three. Mm. If a a Canadian broadcaster showed the first two seasons, there would be the, even amongst anime fans, there would be a sense of, oh wait, I haven't seen this before. This, this looks diff, this looks different than what I've been watching. I'll Mm. tune in for this. And if they get that done before the Blu-rays come out, then Canada has a step up in that regard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that dub was really well received too. Yeah, like, it like was. when when they aired the season three dub on Crunchyroll uh, a few months back, people were really attached to it. So I think that the dubbing efforts would be really good for that show. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. Um, something something that just occurred to me was because uh, JoJo's was brought up. Um, those shows are popular in in Italy, and at least I'm not sure if. There's a like an Italian specialty channel here in southern Ontario. I'm not sure if it's nationwide or whatever. It'd be kind of neat to see them play some of the shows that are popular in Italy, but not super popular in North America for the Italian-Canadian audience that would watch them. That makes sense, yeah. All right, this, like, that's my family background, so. Well, the French language channel should also be proactive in that regard, too. Yeah, like, it would be something that neat, like, they to maybe see if, the newer generation Canadian audience from various places in Europe would respond to anime, which are popular in those parts of Europe. Uh, it's so weird that the French anime just dried up after the 90s and how no stations really... Well, well Teletoon aired a couple of things. They aired Card Captors and they aired Naruto in French. But it's it's weird how, you know, obviously there's there's a huge audience for, for anime in, in Quebec, and none of the stations really tried to capitalize on that. I always thought it would be a neat idea if somebody had uh, done a Quebec dub of Inuyasha, because if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was never even dubbed into French at all. That, that would have been a cool thing to try. Mm-hmm. So, the other thing is that TV channels, they've, they have new scheduling methods based on DVR use. So, you'll see the 10-episode marathon of something on a Saturday afternoon. AMC will show marathons of Breaking Bad for the next 60 years. Or or if they, or as long as they can renew their license from Sony or whatever. So so it'll be interesting if uh, they do get anime, can you show like 12 episode marathons of Attack on Titan or Kill a Kill or things like that and they can pile up in your DVR which I imagine uh, Space is doing it right now. They do it with Orphan Black. FX does it a lot too. FX Canada, I should say, because they're a bit different than FX US. And that's just another interesting thing you can see. Oh, and another really good show for that would probably be Cowboy Bebop. I think there is a window now if a Canadian station can get the HD Masters from Cowboy Bebop before they appear on, say, Netflix, that could bring in a lot of audiences. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see it show up on Netflix too. Yeah. Because yeah. even though it requires you to, you know, make that click, uh, it, that will still be the best exposure it's gotten here. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, you know, finding the right show for the, for the surprise audience, you know, even if Teletoon has no intention of getting anime in their adult block, I'm, you know, I'm kind of surprised they haven't given Space Dandy a shot because, yeah. you know, on, on one level, it's, it's that animator playground kind of show, but at its heart, it's a bro comedy and that, fits right in with what what Teletoon is trying to do with their with their late night stuff right now. Yeah, like I was kind of annoyed that I couldn't watch Space Dandy uh dubbed anywhere. Like it I really were yeah. I had to put my eye patch on for that. Yeah, like I I you know got Shiver Me Timbers arg to get to get <laughs> that dub cuz I wanted to watch it. It was really good. There was mm-hmm. but there was no way to watch it legally. Has anyone seen that uh, Space Dandy commercial for the DVDs that uh, that Adult Swim made? Oh yeah, that was great. Yeah, Ian Sinclair uh, reprised his role live action. That's <laughs> yeah, those, like, those were pretty good. Between mm-hmm. Funimation's aesthetic, Adult Swim's aesthetic, and even even uh, Watchnobby's aesthetic, honestly. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that ad. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, so before we finish off, uh, someone actually did send in a couple of questions. Ooh. Oh, cool. So from uh, Amira Driz, he asked, Did you think Zatch Bell was successful? If yes or no, explain why. Also, give your thoughts on 2008 Bionics. 
And by 2008 Bionics, I guess, I guess he means when Bionics was moved to Saturdays. Uh, in terms of whether or not Zatch Bell was successful, I guess it was, because YTV aired every episode that was dubbed, whereas Cartoon Network did not. I liked Zatch Bell quite a bit. Yeah. That, that, that was, that was a, a weird show that I wouldn't have watched otherwise. It's, it's one of those shows that definitely benefited from airing on TV, because there was nothing else on, and it was just this weird, <laughs> bizarre, almost like monster fighter kind of show, but with they talked, and it was dark at times. It was this weird, bizarre kind of show. Yeah, that was definitely the highlight of 2008 Bionics. Yeah. I was not a big fan of it, so mm-hmm. I guess that means that I was not a big fan of 2008 Bionics. I had, I had pretty much stopped following the block at that point, to be perfectly honest. Me too. Yeah, I, had... I, I, I knew its days were numbered as soon as it, as it, as soon as it was moved to Saturday. I had tuned out of Bionics by 2008, and I don't remember watching Zatch Bell, so it might have been earlier than that. All right, great. Uh, again, uh, I'd still like to get more questions from you guys, so if you want to submit them, you can tweet me at jfetteridge or submit them on the contact form on the website. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, I think this is, I think we had a really good discussion today. Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, thanks. thanks for yeah, thanks, uh, having Jesse. me on. Well, that was Gone in Canada. Hope you enjoyed the show. Big thanks to Randy, Phil, Leandra, and Ian for coming on today. You can find the show's website at zonin.ca. Please feel free to leave us a comment. Theme song is by Ultra Kleistron. You can check out his stuff at ultraclystron.com. If you know anybody who might like this show, please recommend it. See you all next time.